This week we are continuing on suit up, talking about the full armor of God because we're in a spiritual battle if we want to be or not. We're in a spiritual battle if we know it or not. And so we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to put on the full armor of God. But the good news is God has provided everything we need for life and godliness. He has provided us with his full armor so that we can take our stand. So let's read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Hopefully you're starting to remember this and close your eyes. If you can say it with me, then uh, you get extra points. So here we go. Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So we see the full armor of God because the day of evil comes. We face the day of evil, but thankfully God has provided us with the full armor. We have to put it on. It is there waiting for us. Our job is to put it on. Today, we want to talk about the shield of faith and talk about faith versus fear. Faith versus fear. This is a time where many people are fearful, but we need to walk by faith, not by fear. So let's look at this promise again. Ephesians 6.16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. A great promise that we can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, not some of the flaming arrows, but all of the flaming arrows. So this shield of faith is a big deal because those flaming arrows are a hassle. So we were looking at faith versus fear. How do we walk by faith and not by fear? Faith equals faithfulness. If I'm going to walk by faith, then that means I'm walking faithfully. If I'm going to be faithful to God, that's walking by faith. And if I'm going to walk faithfully, if I'm going to be faithful to God, that means I have to overcome fear. I must conquer fear. We're not to be afraid. So many times I want to serve the Lord, but there's an obstacle and it can be scary or I want to walk by faith and there's an obstacle that can be scary and that can cause people to not walk faithfully, but instead walk according to fear. That's why the apostle Paul asked everyone to pray for him at the end of this section that we've been reading each week from Ephesians chapter six to pray for him that he could fearlessly make known the gospel because sometimes it's scary when you're facing opposition and difficulty. So if we're going to be faithful to God, 
Oftentimes we have to reject fear, overcome and conquer fear to be able to walk faithfully. Now, Jesus tells us not to be afraid. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, read verses 28 through 31. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. What an interesting verse. You know, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Most people enjoy talking about the hairs of your head part with me because it's pretty easy. You probably know the number of hairs on my head. But God knows the number of hairs on everyone's head. And here, this idea, don't be afraid. You are worth a lot. You are worth so much to God that you shouldn't be afraid. Do not fear. If Jesus tells us not to fear, he says it in the form of a command. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. So many times that's in the scriptures. If he commands us, tells us not to fear, then we must have some control over this. It's not just some emotion that sweeps us away that we are completely uh, at the mercy of. But if we are told not to fear, to not be afraid, then we must have some control. God must have given us some ability to be able to deal with this. So we need to understand how to do that, how to walk in that freedom from fear to conquer and to overcome fear. But looking at the scriptures, this is a little bit interesting because there's a bit of a mixed message. In verse 28, the first verse that we read, it says you're not supposed to fear those who can kill the body. You know, like, well, that's, if you're not supposed to be afraid of people that even can kill you, well, that's pretty great. But it was also talking about fearing the Lord, the one that can send you to hell, like to fear that. So are we to fear or not fear? You know, we're fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but don't be afraid. Do not fear. There seems to be a little bit of a mixed message inside of Christianity. So we need to understand exactly what's going on here so that we can grab a hold of it and not get confused. What we need to do is really dig into this because we need to conquer fear. We need to get on the other side of fear. We need to grab hold of the peace of God and the power of God and not be afraid. But we also need to know what it means to fear the Lord. And that's a little bit tricky. To start making this point and to unpack it a little bit, I want to go to the parable of the talents. One of my very favorite parables, Jesus is talking about the end of the age, which with all this COVID-19 stuff going on, some people think Jesus is coming uh, right now. Let me tell you, I'm not sure about that, but be ready. Be ready for Jesus to come today. That's the most important thing. Be ready. But let's look at the parable of the talents, uh, Matthew 25. I got one extra verse in there, verse 13. So let's read Matthew 25, 13 through 30. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, 
dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from them. In verse 30, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a harsh ending to this parable. The parable of talents or a talent, a bag of money. The first two were faithful. They walked by faith. They put the money to work. They actively engaged in doing something for their master. It produced a return and they received a reward for being faithful. But the one who hid his master's money, why did he hide it? He hid it because he was afraid. He didn't want to fail. He was afraid of his master. This parable is talking about the people of God who are given the things of God to put to work in this world before Jesus returns. So we've all been given our talents, our abilities. Uh, we've been given the truths in the scripture, the truths of God. And we use those, we work those to create an increase over time. When Jesus returns, those who have been faithful in serving the Lord and producing an increase will receive the reward of those who are faithful. But those who hide who don't put to work the talents that they have, the truths of the Bible, the truths of God, but instead they just hide those things. They're not going to receive the reward of the faithful, but they're going to receive condemnation where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's horrible. Why did this guy hide his master's money? Well, he was afraid. He was afraid of God and he hid his money. So he was afraid. I think he was afraid to fail and he was afraid of the master who's afraid of God. So many people in there trying to serve the Lord, they're afraid to fail and they're afraid of God. The first two were full of faith. They received an incredible reward. Let's talk about them for a little bit. You know, Matthew 25, 21 is the reward. It's the same uh, phraseology for both. The one with the five bags that turned it into 10, the one with the two bags that turned it into four. So it was this, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So faithful's in there twice. 
The shield of faith is walking by faith, which is being faithful. So they were doing faith. They were faithful servants. They were faithful with a few things. It made the master happy. And then they got an increase off of that. So they were faithful. They did not act in fear like the one with the one bag. He acted in fear. So many times in in my life, and I'm just going to talk about my ministry life, there's the faith versus fear choice. I remember 10 years ago when we were planting the church here in Cloquet, almost 10 years. This fall, it'll be our 10-year anniversary. Very excited about that. The thing about planting the church here in Cloquet versus the church in Big Fork that I planted is when we planted in Cloquet, we had a bunch of other people's money. And I was kind of nervous about taking money that people had donated to advance the kingdom of God and kind of risk it on a church plant. It made me nervous because I thought, what if I mess this up and I've taken the holy thing that people have sacrificially given for the advancement of the kingdom of God and I just mess it all up? You know, like, what if I do that? That would be terrible. And so I was afraid, but I realized I didn't want to be like the dude who buried his talent and walked by fear. I had to choose on a daily basis to walk by faith. All right, we got no congregation. We got no place to meet. God's going to do something great. (laughs) It's going to be great. God is going to come through and just walk by faith. We don't know anybody, but let's go meet some people. God is going to put the right people in our path. And we just walked by faith. And Trinette and I met a bunch of great people that summer. It was really wonderful. And God, God provided because we walked by faith. We were able to access the good things of God, access the grace of God and the favor of God. The good things of God are there, but by faith, we access them. If I'd have walked in fear and worried that people weren't going to like me and they were never going to really meet anybody and this probably isn't going to work anyway, then it, it wouldn't have worked. It would have fallen apart. So to walk by faith. Now, almost 10 years later, I find myself walking by faith again because we're doing online church, we're not even meeting. You know, it's not just about how much I enjoy meeting together and having church and seeing people come in and getting to say hi and then being able to preach to a responsive group of people, which is So much more fun, but it's also about, you know, the organizational health. Is this going to set us back? Are we going to have to do some layoffs? You know, what's going to happen to the church? We're not meeting. We're not taking offerings. You know, people are giving online. So thank you very much for that. There's another opportunity for me and for, of course, church leadership all around to either yield to fear or to walk by faith. Walking by faith is God's going to do something better through this than would happen if this wasn't there. God is able to redeem this and make it even better. Let's walk by faith and believe God. Let's lean into this digital online business and let's make it work. You know, that's walking by faith. We do that. Well, then the online thing is going to work and God's going to bless that. We'll access the grace of God and the favor of God online and it's going to happen. That's basically how we choose to walk by faith instead of caving to fear. And that can be applied in so many different areas of our life. For me, those are obvious ministry areas. You know, for you, it could be the business that you started. You're going to college and you're not sure if you have the right major or, you know, you're not sure if you're going the right direction. Walk by faith. Listen to the leading of the spirit. If you're going the wrong direction, listen to God. He'll help you get on the right path and go the right direction. But when you feel like you've received the right direction from God, then walk by faith. It was three years for me discerning whether or not I was supposed to come to Cloquet. 
But once it was like, yep, that's the answer. That's what I'm supposed to do. Then it was like, okay, we're going to go forward, walk by faith, discern the direction God has for you. So the two that were faithful were walking by faith. They put to work what God had given them and they saw an increase and that pleased God. But the other one was full of fear. Let's go to Matthew 25, 25 again. Fear paralyzed this guy. Matthew 25, 25. I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. He was afraid. What did that fear lead to? It led to him not serving his master, being afraid of failing. So that fear of failure brought failure. That fear of his master and the harshness of his master brought out the harshness of his master. But if he'd have walked by faith, if he'd have put that one bag of money to work, even if it was put on deposit with the bankers, how hard is that? You know, at least he knew enough to be able to do that, but he didn't. If he'd have had enough faith to put that on deposit with the bankers, he would have received interest and been able to please his master. But instead, fear paralyzed him and it led to terrible judgment. But I did some research in the Greek and the Hebrew. So this word, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. If we go to Matthew 10, 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This be afraid of God. That word is the same Greek word as the one in Matthew chapter 25. So the guy that was afraid of his master, afraid of God, it fell apart. But in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says to be afraid of God using the same word. Isn't that confusing? Are we supposed to be walking by faith and just, you know, hey, I'm a friend of God and it's all good. Are we supposed to be afraid of God? The same word in the same book of the Bible is used in opposite ways by Jesus. To be afraid of God is a good thing in Matthew 10. To be afraid of God is a terrible thing in Matthew 25. It's the same word. So what's going on? A little bit of a mystery here. What went wrong? Well, I think in order to understand this, we need to go to the Hebrew. The Greek is insufficient because the Greek is a lot like English in that there's not very many words for fear. But in the Hebrew, there's several words for fear that have subtle meaning differences, subtle shifts in meaning. One word can mean like a terror or a dread that lasts over time. Another one can mean a, an alarm, being scared in a you know, brief moment. Uh, another one can mean reverence a reverent fear, that sort of thing. And there's different words and they're separate words. Now, they're all translated fear in our English Bibles because like the Greek, we don't have a whole bunch of different words for fear like they did then. So when it's the same word being used, it can cause us to get confused. So let's look at this healthy fear, the one that means a reverence for God. It is, a, it is fear, but it's fear that leans towards reverence but allows us to engage God, engage in the love of God and the service of God. So let's look at a few examples in the Hebrew of the word fear, but it's leaning the right direction. Job 1, 9. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. So Satan is talking about Job, a man who fears God, and by fearing God means that he serves God faithfully. Well, that's good right? This isn't the fear that the one who hid his talent in the ground had. This is a different fear. It's a reverent fear. It's not a dread. It's not a, a terror that you run away from, but this is a reverence that draws you to. 
So a fear that draws Job to God is what that is talking about. And then Psalm 147 verse 11 is just a great verse. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. This is one sentence. And the two things that complement each other are fear and unfailing love. Would you write a poem about fear and unfailing love and think that they're two pieces of one concept? It really indicates that there are these subtle different words for fear in the Hebrew. And if we don't realize that, it's going to cause us to misinterpret because that can make no sense. You know, the Lord delights in those who fear him like he's some terrible ruler that just wants to strike fear in his subjects. But the rest of the sentence, who put their hope in his unfailing love. You know, you you don't put your hope in the unfailing love of Stalin or Hitler or something. You know, you can fear Stalin and Hitler, but it's a completely different concept than this type of fear. This fear is a reverent fear that is consistent with trusting in the love of God. It's a reverence. It's understanding the power and the importance of the things of God but not something that makes us run away in terror or dread, but that draws us close to God. It's a fear that motivates rather than a fear that paralyzes. You know, have you ever had someone you didn't want to disappoint? So it motivated you to action. It didn't paralyze you in fear. And that's kind of like this, that we are to fear the Lord, meaning we don't want to disappoint the Lord. So we are motivated to action, motivated to do right. Because of that, the Greek has, you know, very few words for fear. The English has very few words for fear. So we are at a disadvantage compared to the Hebrew. So we need to understand all these different nuances of fear and realize that the bottom line is that God wants people to revere him, but to run to him, to love him, trust in his unfailing love while having that reverent fear, which is not a terror. It's not a a startling and being afraid in that sense, like a horror movie. It's a deep, deep reverence and awe of God that is very strong. Of course, if you're separated from God, that reverence and awe can include that other type of dread, but you want to get free from that and be brought into the goodness of God by receiving forgiveness and living your life with God. So faith equals faithfulness. Faithfulness must conquer fear. The guy who buried his talent, if he'd have conquered fear, he'd have put his talent to work. He would have received uh, good things from his master, but instead he caved to fear. Now, sometimes the flaming arrow of the evil one that we need to put out is just simply fear. Maybe everything else stays the same. The uh, coronavirus pandemic stays the same, but instead of walking by fear, you walk by faith. Your fear can be overcome. That might be the thing that the enemy is attacking you with. It might not be coronavirus. It might just be fear. So we need to walk by faith, not by fear. How do we overcome this fear? I've talked to many people who are, in my opinion, too afraid of COVID-19. You're watching the news all the time and it's scary stuff and you're just very afraid personally. How do you overcome that? How do you walk by faith and not by fear in the midst of a global pandemic where during Holy Week, we can't even meet and have church. How do you have faith in God in that situation? Well, I want to give you basically three steps, three steps to do that. 
The first one, put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. Everything looks different. Salvation is how we relate to the resurrection of Christ. It's the fact that Jesus conquered death and that we don't need to be afraid of death. So we put on the helmet of salvation. We don't have to be afraid of death. And then, you know, what if a disease gets you? Well, you go be with Jesus. That's not so bad. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 kind of makes this point. Hebrews 2, since the children have flesh and blood, he two shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So if you're afraid of COVID-19 because you're afraid of death, well, put on the helmet of salvation and realize that death has lost its victory. Death has lost its sting. What can it do to us? But send us to be with Jesus. That's not so bad. So put on the helmet of salvation and know that this life is not the end, that you don't have to face ultimate death by death here in this world. But hey, I want to live. You know, I'm not, I'm not real excited about going down with COVID-19. I want to live. I want to live a long time. I've told so many people I want to plan to be 150 years old because there's just too much to do. I'm, I'm excited about being here. I want to stay here. So what do we do there? So step one, put on the helmet of salvation. Step two, have faith in God's delivering power that he will see you through. Second Corinthians 1, 8 through 11 says this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. On verse 9 there, there's a, a beautiful picture of that shield of faith, just like rejoicing in the suffering and the trials. This suffering and trial they were going through allowed them to rely on God instead of themselves. Hugely important lesson learned, but they still want to be delivered from the trial. So verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. So we got deliverance all over the place. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. This is a powerful, powerful verse. They were in terrible straits. They despaired even of life, yet God delivered them, is continuing to deliver them, will deliver in the future. We need to trust in God's deliverance, believe that he will deliver us from a deadly peril, and then let that fear melt away. I'm trusting God to live and not die, to not succumb to this disease, but to overcome. I'm believing God for that. If you, I'm not real nervous about it either. If that's something that's, it's gripped you, you're very afraid. Believe in the delivering power, the overcoming power of God. Let faith in his power to deliver you overcome your fear of the virus. And step three, seek the peace of God. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is talking about putting on the peace of God, the peace of Christ. It's beyond our understanding, but we go to the Lord with all of our requests, with all of our needs, with all of our hurts, with everything that we need to set at the feet of Jesus. We set it there. We talk to the Lord about it. And then we gain whatever direction by the Holy Spirit that we can gain. And then we walk by faith, trusting in the peace of God. You know, what can I gain by worrying? I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to walk in peace. Let his peace come over me. Place all of those things at the feet of Jesus and then faithfully receive the peace of God. You can receive that in this time. You can walk in peace when it doesn't make sense. You can grab hold of the delivering power of God and put on the helmet of salvation. And it is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem. They put the palm branches down, proclaiming him to be king. And we know that Jesus is our king, king of kings, Lord of lords, and we honor him. Let's finish up by talking about how we walk faithfully in these times. You know, don't be afraid. Put your trust in God. Now go ahead and follow the rules. Follow the shelter in place rules and those sorts of things. Follow the rules, but don't fear. Share in God's peace and share that peace with others. And a big thing is putting on the belt of truth. We're going to close with 2 Timothy 1.7. Fantastic verse. Has a great ring in the King James. This is NIV. Um, we'll talk a little King James too, but it says, For the Spirit... God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So the King James, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, this is one of those words. It's not the word for fear that was used in Matthew 25 and Matthew chapter 10. This is a whole different word. That's why it's translated uh, timidity or does not make us timid, but it is a type of fear. It's a fear of, you know, stepping out. It's very similar to what the person who buried his talent was doing. You know, that person was made timid with their talent. So I, I see spirit of fear, I think, is a legitimate translation of that. So we've not been given a spirit of fear, but power of love and self-discipline or a sound mind, sound thinking. Probably a great way to translate that now because Sound mind kind of sounds like not insane. It's not talking about that. It's talking about good ordered thinking. So sound thinking, love, power, sound thinking. Timidity is a type of fear and we are to fear not. So let's receive that spirit of love, of power and sound thinking. I'm going to pray to close us out, but uh, we normally have prayer teams at the front. If you've got a prayer request, just send it by email, prayer at goodhope.ag, and we will pray for you. Well, let's pray together, and let's finish out this Palm Sunday sermon. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Lord, let us not walk in fear, but walk by faith. Let us be faithful, even when taking the steps of faith can be scary. Let us overcome that fear, overcome timidity, overcome the desire to bury our talent, but to put it in, into action, Lord. And even in the midst of this COVID-19 deal, Lord, help us to trust in your salvation. If there are those who don't know you, help them to know you. Ask for forgiveness and put their faith in you. Lord, help us to trust in your delivering power to deliver us from 
deadly peril. And Lord, let us grab hold of your peace, walking in that peace and sharing that peace with others. Let us receive not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. In Jesus' name, amen.